there, it's Carrie, and I cannot wait to be back with you for season five of Mission Forward. We have a great lineup of guests and conversations coming, all designed to help you learn the tools to be a communicator for change. Now, before we get there, I want you to know that Mission Forward has a new home over at missionforward.us. You'll find all the past episodes, new opportunities to become a member of the podcast, and early access to future shows. So check it out, missionforward.us. And since we're a few weeks out from releasing season five, I wanted to lift back up one of my favorite episodes from season three, featuring Dr. Rob Kelly, vice president and special assistant to the president at Loyola University, Maryland, and a great friend. As we recognize this 2022 Martin Luther King National Day of Service, my conversation with Rob is a conversation about responsibility, taking responsibility for crafting the future for those in our care. He shares how he's helping Loyola to build according to their mission, pressing forward on issues of culture, climate, race, and inclusion, even in the face of obstacles. I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did And I look forward to seeing you back here in a few weeks for the start of season five. So Rob, I want to start with just a a check-in. One, I want to know where you are today as folks are listening in on the podcast, give them some context for where you are. And what is one thing in your view, wherever you are sitting, that makes you happy? Yeah, no, no, that, that's, that's a great question. And, um, right now we are in the midst of bringing back all of our students, um, here at Loyola University, Maryland. Uh, we spent the fall semester in a virtual format with the students where they were doing online learning, but, uh, not living here. And the residential part here at Loyola is, is, uh, it's, it's vital to who we are. And so we're in the midst of bringing them back. It's been uh, good to see them. It brings us a lot of hope um, that we see them. And yet we're bringing them uh, back at a time when our nation is facing all sorts of turmoil, given the incidents that happened last week at the Capitol. Um, and, you know, yesterday with the impeachment of our, of our president of the country. Um, and so it, it, it brings me here at a moment of great hope for the institution, but a lot of concern about the country that we live in and um, opportunities where I get to say that's incongruent or that's there's a level of hypocrisy there. Um, but at the same time, very hopeful for what the future could be because I know what's happening next week. Right. And, and what will have happened by the time people hear this? is that, in fact, we are now in a new administration with a new president. Exactly. Exactly. That's a good thing. This whole season uh, is focused on this concept of pressing forward. And I had mentioned to you, I've been thinking a lot about this on what it's like to be working in higher ed right now in the midst of a global pandemic, in the midst of racial reckoning in our country, in the midst of an administration change, unlike any other that we've seen in our nation's history, right? That I've got to imagine that you've got your uh, your fair share of obstacles in front of you, right? In, in terms of being in higher ed right now. You know, it, it, we've known, or at least many people believed that higher education needed to change. For years, there were certain things about higher education, everything from the cost, therefore access, to how assessment was being done and the experience of students, how much money was going in, where the money was going in, to the digital divide, issues around equity, inclusion, diversity, teaching, learning, 
all of these things were challenges. And yet, back in March of 2020, the institution was able to pivot fairly quickly to providing students with an online format. Many institutions were able to stay connected with their students. And I, and I know not all institutions were able to do that. We were very lucky and blessed that we were able to do that. And part of it was many of the people who were involved um, that they said, no, this is who we are. And we got, you know, we have to, we have to call every single student and find out how they're doing. We have to reach out to every single graduating student and find out, do you have a job? What assistance do you need? Um, but I know that not every institution was able to do that. Not every institution cares to do that because we've also had all sorts of challenges, financial challenges for our families, but also for the institution in dealing with the, 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 the pandemic, that what can we do? What can we afford to do? And then how do we change? So how do we change and pivot, get rid of the old, what needed to go? But at the same time, how do you change the institution and evolve the institution so that it can be responsive and relevant um, in a new age? Yeah, that's a big charge in front of you. Well, certainly, uh, it sounds like you learned a lot. The organization, the institution learned a lot about itself and priorities coming out of 2020 and into 2021. And um, I, I know so many folks along the way just said, oh, we just got to get to 2021. Well, there's no magic you know, that happened between December and January. We're still in the same environment we're in. But what are you holding on to, right, in terms of, of what you saw, what changes were made, um, what brings you hope as you come into this new year? What are you holding on to? Yeah. So I think that many of our um, students, they felt so disconnected to the institution when they had to leave. There was a real sense of mourning, a sense of loss, and a longing for connection. When we made the decision to not reopen residentially in August, it really came as a blow to many of our students, many of our parents. Um, we had parents calling saying, it's not right for my 21-year-old to be living at home. They need to be at college. They need to be figuring this out. And I think what I hold on to is it cemented for me, it solidified for me a desire that students have a hunger that we need to meet. They have a hunger for um, connection. They have a hunger to be in relationship with other people with that they're going to physically see, not see through a computer screen, not, um, not interact with with a mask on, even though for the time being we are going to do that. But it's a step forward to be able to see them, to be in the same room with them, although we're socially distant. That I hold on to that. There's such joy. On, I, you know, I walked the campus yesterday. Uh, my daughter was here doing her schooling. <laughs> she's, she's 10. And so she was in my office doing her schooling at one desk. I'm across the room. And I said, you know, let's go for a walk. And we went for a walk. And her observation was, Daddy, everyone seems so happy to be here. We saw students, you know, run up to each other, give an elbow bump, but just jump up and down because they're happy to see one another. We saw people run towards each other and then give a head nod <laughs> towards each other. They knew, you know, they shouldn't really touch. And we don't know what the, what the outcomes of all that's going to be in years to come, how people are understanding um, how to be in relationship and connection with one another. But I hold on to that. That gave me such a boost to see that um, and to hear parents calling up after they've moved their son or daughter in, calling up saying, you know, I just want to thank you. That was a seamless process. 
my son or daughter, they feel happy again. I see a gleam in their eye. That makes me hopeful for what I think are going to be some real big challenges that we have to face as a nation, whether it's racism, homophobia, whatever the, the issue might be. There's so much, there's been so much like we villainize the other. We oppose what the other is saying. We have to find ways to listen to one another. Um, and there's also to talk about unity uh, in our country right now. And I hope I hope that happens. At least there's, there's there's desire for it now. And I don't know if a couple of months ago I would have said that there was a real desire for the unity part. So in Maasai culture, it is tradition traditional to open a conversation with the question, "How are the children?" So they measure the health of their society by the health of their kids. And a lot of what you just said, I think about. I'm a parent. You're a parent. You spend your career working with young people who are in this incredible moment of change in their lives, right? Forming what their future is going to be post post school. And um, I want to stop and think about that for a minute, right? For kids who are going through this experience of college with this backdrop of our of our nation, right at this moment, right? How do you think the kids are doing? Yeah, that's that, that's a great question. I don't think they're doing great. And so my response is the students, they have a hunger, one for connection and, and, and community, but they have, an, they have a desire for an adult way to have a conversation, a more mature way to engage across issues of difference. They want an adult spirituality. They have this hunger and, yet, and yet there's no, they have not seen examples. They have not seen examples of how to achieve it. And so, the, the responsibility on the faculty, the staff, adults, mentors, supervisors, and jobs and internships, it's their responsibility to connect the dots for the, for the students, for the young people, so they can see a way through this. What, what, our, what our students today, I think, have seen is finger-pointing, divisiveness, name-calling, conflict that you get to roll around and feel good about as opposed to feeling good about reconciliation, feeling good about reflection, feeling good about discernment. They have not seen that. And so, when I think about what we are supposed to do, how we give people hope, how we give people direction, it's great because it's a great opportunity for us, but it's an awesome responsibility that I hope we're ready for. Gosh, if there were ever a call to arms to be a mentor, to be a partner, to be a coach, I mean, you clearly just laid out a pretty important outline there on on what we all can be doing, those of us who are in a position to do it, to, to reach out to a young person. Yes. So you hold a fascinating role at Loyola, and I've gotten to see it firsthand, but you are a senior policy advisor. You are promoting active citizenship among the Loyola community but you're also helping to ensure that Loyola lives its mission and its values. And I know firsthand, you are one of the most trusted and loved members of the Loyola community. You have a deep passion and focus on ensuring equity at every level of the institution. Um, and so I am, I'm grateful on so many levels to be talking with you today on that front. I want to ask how you, with all of those roles that you hold, how you press forward, even when you're feeling like you're up against barriers or Sometimes maybe it feels like you're up against a boulder, right? How do you keep one foot in front of the other moving forward? It's been hard. Over the summer, uh, the summer of 2020, when we saw the brutal killings, a lot of Black men, Breonna Taylor um, as one, and we saw the horrific way in which we were, one, talking about this issue or not talking about the issue. 
we saw the ways in which um, protests, the way they were handled, the way they were addressed. And it began to make me feel as if, as a Black man walking around in my Black skin, as a dad, as a citizen, do I matter? And there were some days when I was, when it was, I, it was hard. It was, it was very hard. It was, I was, I was touched by a number of uh, classmates of mine from Loyola who reached out during those days and said, not going to ask how you are, but I want you to know that I'm here. I'm here if you want to talk today, if you want to talk next week, if you want to talk next month, but I want you to know that I hear you, I see you, and I'm here. Mm -hmm. That did more for me. And and again, it happened over the course of a a, a number of weeks. That that did more for me to get me back on the back on the wagon, focused on what I need to be doing for students. Um, Because I, I was going inward to protect myself, to protect my family, my children's mental and physical well-being. And so it so I, I'm in a good space now because I had the time and I had the ability to lean on um, a number of colleagues and friends who I knew but I didn't know who made themselves available um, and to let me know that they were dealing with struggles too. And to recognize the struggles that I that that I, I live every day just because of life. Right. Thank you for sharing that. And I, I do hope you do know and that enough people tell you and i certainly will make sure i tell you every chance i can tell you that you matter rob on a on such a deep level and have made an enormous impact and imprint on loyola in a way that you may not ever realize the impact and imprint you have made thank you thank you and we'll continue to make yes so let's stay there for a few more minutes and maybe just zoom out a little bit more but as i think about the impact that covid that the racial reckoning, that every single piece of what we have seen over the course of the last four years, quite honestly, as it relates to the administration and the the way that we have seen our democracy start to spiral out of control, quite frankly, right? That there is so much rebuilding of trust and unity that has to be brought back to the center to make sure that we are in a strong democratic society that there's so much to do on so many levels, right? That that can easily feel overwhelming. But I want to I want to focus us in and think about as it relates to equity in higher ed, right? That we know that black men and women are falling behind as it relates to making sure that they have access to education, that they are if they are still in a virtual environment, that they are showing up in that virtual environment. How are you all thinking about the the equity of the higher ed experience, um, and what have you learned out of COVID that that hopefully may continue to uh, improve how you you think about equity and delivering higher ed? Yeah, you know, one of the things that we that came out during um, the summer of 2020 was that our many of our students um, began to politically and mobilize. There was an activist mindset that they saw when they turned on the television um, and saw things that were happening around the country that they began to mobilize themselves. And what was great about it is they said how they were feeling and we heard them. Um, They said where the struggles were and we acknowledged them. We engaged in a conversation with them. And so now the, the, the opportunities 
and the avenues of conversation and real discussion, they're open. And we have some of the right people in place to be able to move and advance some issues. So I'll use it as an example. In the midst of all of this, it, it, it came to our to our attention some of the concerns around um, a residence hall that we had named on campus. And we could have gone down the route, the route of studying the issue for a number of years, because that's what most colleges and universities do. We study things. We look at everything from every side of it. And in the midst of this, we said, you know what? We have to look at this from the side of how does it feel for that to be your home? We cannot expect members of our student body to walk in there and feel at home and feel secure. It's a building as opposed to it being home. Right. And so we said to ourselves, you know what? We're going we're gonna to pray about it. And we prayed about it. We prayed a lot about it. We engaged in real tough conversation with one another, but we made a decision that we thought was the right one and we changed the name of the building. The backlash to making that decision was tremendous. We saw colleagues that we thought were real true allies around issues of justice come out against us and say we made the decision too quickly, uh, we didn't study it enough, we weren't being holistic in our approach. And yet we heard from our students, thank you, I feel heard. It takes nothing away from the real contributions that that person had made to the made to society and 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 to the to, to the academy. But our students felt heard and secured. And so I use that game plan. I use that model of really thinking about it, praying about it, to make a decision. Really having real discernment. For me. It was a spiritual exercise for me come to life um, go, going through that. It, it, it made it all tangible. It made it real. Um, it made it relevant. And for me, it gave, it gave me a sense of we can make systemic change. We can, we can change systems when we fall back on our values. You know, it's, it's back to the question that we raised at the beginning. How are the children, right? And that if we really center the students in the the decisions, right? They're they're the ones that matter most, right? That's why Loyola, that's why any higher education institution exists, not because of the donors who might not be happy with a decision that you make, right? They're not there. They're not going in the building every day. I I chuckle about that because it's our students are our reason for being. And the alumni, so eventually the students become alumni, and that shows the power and efficacy of our work. And so when we have our alums who are out there who are changing systems, who are, you know, for lack of a better phrase, speaking truth to power, you know, when we have alums who are doing that, that shows the power that we are as a, you know, institution of higher learning. Because otherwise, we're just getting good products in, people who are really privileged to, to get this kind of an education, and we're not, we're not messing things up. <laughs> we're putting good products back out there, as opposed to really being involved in transformation. That's great. And it also speaks to this idea of like, what side of history are we going to be on? In, in every decision, I think about that every day in my business. What side of history am I going to be on in the decisions? And I'm a, I'm a small business making a very small impact, but it still matters to ask that question in everything we do, right, in a, in a time like this. So I'm glad you're 
you're acting in that way. Well, and, and, you know, what you make me think of is, you know, the people who were good friends of an institution, all institutions, donors, we all have things that we believe and we are moments of our time. Yeah. You know, we grew up at a certain time, we believe a certain thing. And we're going to have to take a real close look. Who are our buildings named after? Who have we given degrees away to? Who have we given honorary degrees away to? Because things change over time. And you want to be on the right side of history. Because in hindsight, you look back and go, what were those people thinking? Why didn't they just do the right thing? And so we're we're every day now, I find we ask ourselves a real difficult question to reconcile our past with our future. We want a future that that more people see them, themselves as a, a part of. We want more people to see them. And so to do that, we have to begin to um, reconcile with the vestiges of inclusion and exclusion, regardless of what they might be. We have to reconcile that if we're going to move forward. And you do something that I think for for those listening is is something I think we can all do better. You know, going through life with eyes wide open and ears wide open and are willing to not just hear but understand i truly i truly understand why and making decisions as a result of that well carrie you're, you're you're very insightful because i even said to to a parent just the other day about a heart being wide open mm. uh, the, uh, the parent was asking me about you know why why do we have to you know why do they have to wear a mask and i said well you know after 20 minutes i said eventually <laughs> If you really don't feel comfortable being back on campus, we would gl- we gladly welcome you back in, in you know next semester. But I want your heart to be open too. And she said that made a difference to her. Yeah, we're all we're all humans. You know, I'm, I'll tell you a quick story, and then I know we've got to wrap up. I've got one more question for you. But are you familiar with the NASA astronaut uh, Leland Melvin? I, I believe he is the first African American astronaut. Um, and has oh, a- oh my God. yes, 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 yes. Okay, yes. Fantastic, amazing story. Also, former NFL player. But he tells a story in his book about having been up in space in the first time, and he was in this great mission with astronauts from all over the world. And so um, they were looking out, and he says, uh, so they're in space, and he says, oh, I see I see where I live. I see America. And then the French uh, astronaut who's with him says, I see France. And then the Russian astronaut says, I see Russia. And he said, he turned to them, and he said, if only our world leaders could be up here. If only they could look down and realize that we're not all just humans, but we're all earthling. We all have a stake in what the future of this earth is, right? That there's this like much higher understanding of how we are connected. I I think about that a lot. We're all earthlings, right? We're all in this at some level. That's, That's beautiful. Yeah. Perspective. It's about perspective taking. You know, the more the more we can get everyone else to sit in the sit in the seat of another person, try. It's it's very difficult to do. Walk in the shoes that someone else has been given or been able to put on, but have the perspective of someone else. Uh, my grandmother used to always say to me, "Define the truth in what you oppose, and the error in what you believe, mm. and, just, and and just sit on the other side, get a different point of view. It's really important." That's beautiful. All right, here's my last question for you. Okay. So we're going to check out. Unfortunately, I wish we didn't have to already, but I want you to leave me with a great idea, an inspiration, a book, anything that's inspiring you these days. What would you What would you share back with me? Uh, well, you know, I'm, I'm in the midst of reading Cast. I'm not sure if you if you've seen the book. Um, mm-hmm. And and 
you know, on one hand, it's what we don't learn, what we what we didn't learn, but it's pers- it's a perspective. The book cast has given me a perspective on everything in the world and how to look at when a dominant group is losing what they might do. And again, I, I think it goes back to the perspective taking that we were we were talking about earlier that um, we have to find a way to do that, but we also find a way that we can understand, embrace, um, open our hearts, open our minds to changing times. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, but the book cast, has, it, it, it's, it's blowing my mind. Yeah, it's amazing. And Isabel Wilkerson is one of my favorite all-time authors. She just has this like poetry in, in everything she says. It just comes across as poetry. So that's a great, that's a great one. Thank you. Well, Rob, as always, you have left me feeling inspired. And um, this is certainly without without a doubt going to be the best part of my day. So thank you for your time today and for everything yeah, you thank do. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you for having it. me. This, this has been great. 